Hi, I'm Chris Klink, and you're listening to my Writing Table Podcast. Jeanette Escudero worked as an attorney before picking up a pen at 30 years old to write something other than legal briefs. When published, fulfilled a dream and gave her an outlet for her imaginative romantic side. She now writes women's fiction about relatable and flawed heroines. In addition to writing and reading, Jeanette has a passion for travel and adventure. Born in Miami, Florida to Cuban parents, she currently lives in South Florida with her husband and her three children, in whom she's instilled a love of nature and an appreciation for the planet. Here, in writing romance, it became a USA Today bestselling author. Tell us how you went from being an attorney to becoming an author. It's frustration, a little frustration, a little bit of monotony. I've always been such an avid reader, so I think that that's how it started. I just was reading. I'm always reading, and I have twins, and so I had my twins little bit of postpartum blues and I couldn't find what I wanted to read. So I'm like, I'm just going to write it. And it was really for myself. I never thought anything would come of it. And um, that's kind of how it started. Just like a little hobby that I had that went very well. So persistence pays off is all I can say. Did you self-publish or did you find an agent? I did not self-publish. I was able to find an agent. I was very lucky. I queried one agent, just thinking, let's see how this goes. Let me test out this process. And it was Sarah Younger from the Nancy Yost agency. And she called me, we hit it off. We're still working together. I love her dearly, not just as an agent, but as a friend. And my first publishing deal was with Love Swept, which is through Random House. And that went great. And then through Swerve, which is SMP. And then now through Lake And this is a different realm. Those are romance. This is not necessarily romance, which is also why I had a pen name and now I don't. Yeah, it's just been a wild ride. So tell us what inspired you to transition to women's fiction? To be honest with you, I did semantic while I was my kids and my husband and my dog. What I write is based a lot on what I read. And at that moment, I wasn't really, I wasn't feeling that romance just because I don't think the world was romantic, really, in general, even though I still love romance and it's such a great escape. But I think it was just couldn't get into it. I honestly couldn't get into it. And I started picking up some women's fiction books and some literary fiction book. And and then that kind of inspired this book. And that's kind of how it went around. So I, I blame it all on COVID. So let me ask you, who were the authors you were reading that made you want to write women's fiction? I was reading a lot of Kelly Harms. I love Kelly Harms. Isn't she the best? I, I her books are so good. They're just so so good. Gail, I can't think of her last name right now. Uh, Camille Pagan, which I don't know if she's necessarily. I think she's romance, but it's in the vein of that women's fiction. And I just oh, yeah, love definitely. books. Yeah, right. And they're and they're yeah. so funny. And um, yeah, I just started reading those, and I and they just inspired me. So tell us about the Apology Project. So the Apology Project, which, like I said, kind of came about during our, our COVID times. I'm still an attorney, even though I'm writing more than I was before. I'm frustrated with, with just things in general. With You know, I think that as a mom, even though in my book, she's not a mom, but as a mom, it's just a lot to handle in terms of I still was working and 
I just couldn't do the same things as my male counterparts because I had my kids at home that needed to homeschool. They have kids too, but their wives were really the ones taking care of them. And not that my husband can't help me. He's wonderful and he's here as well. But I think it's just, I don't know, it's just the nature of the beast. The kids want me. And it was really hard to juggle that. And then it, it just kind of became a thing like, why do we have all these pressures on ourselves and all these burdens? And and then I, I'm making like apologies, right, for not being able to be at a, on a Zoom meeting at 10 because my kids have music lessons. <laughs> So it was all these things. And I'm like, why are you apologizing for these things? They're not my fault, you know? And um, I think that's kind of how it came about. Interesting. Tell us a little bit about the story. Yeah. So Millie, she's been working her butt off for, well, really since since high school. She just fast paced very much like how I was when I was more of a practicing attorney, working our butts off. We had all these visions for where our life was going to be, which I think is something that we as women do. She's in her early 20s. She's going to conquer the world, kick everybody's butt, be on top of her game. And that was like the number one goal, you know, very driven. And then, you know, I think as as you get older, your goals kind of change. And Millie's goals um, started to kind of shift. She got assigned a case which she didn't feel comfortable handling. Just kind of a jerk defendant who was doing some sexual harassment. It gets a little bit more than that, but she didn't feel comfortable defending him. And she was kind of the token woman in the law firm and she was given no options by her partner. She had to do it. She didn't feel comfortable. And she finds herself unemployed at 40 and she's kind of reevaluating her life. Like, what have I done? I'm 40. I don't have kids. I don't have a husband. Not that that's, you know, the be all end all, but you know, what do I have? I don't even have friends because I've been working, 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 working. And it's kind of that road of kind of taking a step back and getting to that point where you have to make a decision do you want to continue on this road of, you know, conquering the world? Or is it time to take some me time and reevaluate what I really want in life? It's a great book. Aww, thank Stay you. In a nutshell, what does your idea to manuscript process look like? Oh, it's not good. I think my editors would say <laughs> that I'm a little bit of a writing mess in the sense that, to my credit, oh, so there's, you know, pantsers and, um, uh, and plotters, right? I'm not a plotter by any stretch of the imagination. I wish I, I was. So I don't write in a linear fashion. I get inspired and I just start writing. And <laughs> the ending is a surprise to you, to me, to everyone know where I'm headed. I think I know. No, I, I don't think I know where I'm headed. And I know the major plot points. Like I knew that I wanted Millie to be an attorney. I knew that that's going to be her arc, the big arc of the story. And I knew more or less where I wanted it to end. I didn't think that it should be a perfectly tied up little perfect story because I don't think life is perfect. So you know those things, but it was really kind of when I woke up and I started typing just where it took me and sometimes went to places I didn't think were the best places for it to go or it's not where I expected but that's kind of just where it went and um with it that's the beauty of women's fiction is that you don't have to follow the happily ever after right you know you have leeway there with how it ends it could be you know it could yeah. end tragically and you haven't gone against the rules of women's fiction right 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 you I agree I agree what is something special readers will always get when reading your books? Comedy or some sort of happiness. 
I think, or some sort of uh, funny moments. I think that just because my character, I, I tend to be a person that even in the worst case scenarios, I like humor. Um, maybe it's inappropriate. I do the nervous giggle. I do the nervous laughter in a funeral kind of thing, um, which is not always the best. Yeah, I just, I tend to laugh. And I and even, you know, the next story actually, which is happy-ish, it's some pretty serious topics. This one, I think, because it delves into me too and, and, and things of that nature. But I do use humor all the time. So I think that you'll always find that books have a funny undertone. And also, I like, because I'm Cuban and my family's Cuban. So I think that that's something I'm going to continue having some some Latin mix in there, some Latin flavor in all my characters. Nice. So that's, those are things you always get from me. All right. You said that your next book is called Happyish. Yeah. So can you give us a few little notes from there? Oh, so I think teenager, even though there, like I said, there's still going to be these funny moments, but I think it's really outside my comfort zone. What can I tell you? I don't know what I can tell you. Okay, I'll tell you this. She has a very serious medical condition, which is not funny at all, but she's in a little bit of denial about it. And she goes on a uh, sabbatical from her life. And it's kind of her journey to come to terms with that medical issue. And so it's, it's really deep it's a lot darker than the apology project but within it's kind of her adventure which are funny and again that latin spice which brings a little bit of humor to it and a little bit of lightness to it so definitely darker my editor was like whoa you're going this way and then and i'm happy with it so more than happy-ish i'm actually happy with it it's happy-ish to me so that is supposed to come out almost exactly a year from now. I don't have an exact date, but it's going to be end of summer. I think end of summer 2022. It isn't done. So yeah, what are you reading now? I'm not reading anything right now. Just because I was on, on a time crunch and on a big deadline, I have started, you can have it behind me, Tiff Marcello's last book. And it's wonderful. I love it. I just haven't had a chance to continue reading it. I love it. I've been so busy. And this is probably the only time in my life that I'm actively reading like crazy because I'm always have a book in my hand. Well, I'm thinking with kids coming back to school, you have a Doberman puppy, you have a book launch, we still have COVID going on, and then you have all the interviews. I'm not doing my own lesson, but I know. So I will tell you a secret. When I have downtime, I've always been, I've always read. That's always been my downtime. A little indulgent that I've had in the last, and it's gone a little bit out of hand, Below Deck. Have you seen the show Below Deck? No. A reality show. Okay. It's a little addicting. And every time I start to pick up a book to continue reading, I go into mind-numbing reality Below Deck TV show. As much as I love to read, so I've been binging on that. And But I think that that's maybe the problem. You find that a lot of those things, you don't realize it's book research. And so you look back and you're writing and you go, I mean, it's from the strangest places. A hundred percent. It's all book research. So sure. Just for that either. How their fellow writers support them through the best and worst of times. Have you found this to be true? Yes. I have had nothing but wonderful experiences with other authors. I'm part of a, a little group of ladies that we call ourselves Girls Right Nights. We've been... I think since I was signed with Nancy Yost agency with Sarah, and then they've been signed, we've kind of stayed together. I cannot tell you 
how we got together. I think it was one tweet that somebody sent and it's four of us. And, you know, you do need that sounding board when you're frustrated, when you get the bad reviews, when you get the good reviews, when you have questions, you when you have a plot hole, when you have a plate bunny, whatever it is. I have found that these four ladies have been nothing spectacular. And I know that in other industries or in other professions, there's a lot of animosity. I haven't had that experience. And even when I was writing romance and I was in other groups, it's been nothing but wonderful. So I love it. And I think that for anybody that wants to go into writing, finding those people is so important. I think that you need that because you do get frustrated. It's a very lonely craft. You're in, you know, you're with your headphones, you're with your head down, you're by yourself. It's, it's your ideas trying to come to light. And I think you do need that group of girlfriends about it. So I, I love it. And I, and I think that that's the best thing. And we have become friends, uh, like true, real friends. It's such a nice, wonderful thing. They're just, I love it. That is so cool to hear about your readers. Yeah. I asked all our guests this question. In your view, what is good writing? I think good writing is when your reader forgets, they just get into it. They just forget about reality. They're just so into it. They don't care about a little, you know, maybe a grammar thing because you're so into a book. And I mean, I will tell you, my writing is not maybe, you know, like textbook writing. I will break character and I will go with the you, you know, and I will talk directly with the reader. You know, you're not supposed to do it. But I think that the reason it's resonated and my reviews have been, thank God, they've been very good. I think it's because it, the characters are so relatable. And when I break into that you, you know, for the reader, I'm talking to them. I'm like, you know, you know what I'm talking about. You know, when you've had these experiences and, and I think it has to do with relatability. That's good writing. I think that's good writing. And, and the rest of it is just, you know, you always get the people saying that's not true. That doesn't happen. You missed the period. You missed them. But that's because they're not paying attention to the story. And so maybe the story isn't relatable or isn't like booking you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, something for everybody. That's why that's not I've gotten some people that didn't like the book and they've also say, I don't like women's fiction. I'm like, well, you know, you're in the wrong part of the best writing advice you've received to write every day. And I think that's the best advice I can give anybody who wants to be a writer. Write every day. It doesn't matter what you write. It's not always good. I can tell you that when I send in a first draft or when I think I finished the first draft, at the end of the day, when the book is published, half of my first draft is gone. It's, I deleted it. It's not what ends up being in the book. But you need to get words on paper. Otherwise, you're not going to ever write. I mean, I think that once you become a writer, which even with all the books I've written, I just it's still like a surreal thing. Like, am I an author? You know, I get questions. I want to write a book. What do I do? I always say write the book. I mean, that's the first thing I can say. I, there's nothing. If you don't write the book, we can't get into step two, three, or four. You got to write the book. And once you write the book, then we'll talk. Let's see then. Is it a good book? Is it a good book? Is it fixable? I'm, I'm sure not all my books have been great, um, but I have wonderful editors. But if you don't write it, you know, so write every day, write something. How many books did you publish as a romance author? 15. Okay. So now you're at 16 books. Yeah. In the 16 books that you've written, what do you wish you would have done differently? Hmm. Well, that's a good question. 
definitely. I mean, I think I, I was very lucky when I wrote the first book and I just, it was on a wing. Like I said, I had a little bit of postpartum depression. It really wasn't going to amount to anything, but I guess good enough that, you know, I was signed. I would say don't fall into the trends so much, write what you want and don't focus on what other people are, are writing. Because I did look at that more. I would change, I wouldn't look at reviews. That's another thing because some readers are vicious. And it's disheartening and it, and it hurts, you know, <laughs> and you can have a hundred good reviews and that one bad one hurts. And then you then start writing with that in the back of your mind. And it does alter the way you write your book. I would focus on just what I want to write, not trends, not what readers tell me, and then leave it as it may and, and hope that the world likes it. So I think that would be the, the thing I would change. But you would not read the reviews? I think I would stay away from reviews or at least from Goodreads. Maybe Amazon. <laughs> Scary place for authors. And you have a guest to tell me a while back, don't put so much weight on reviews. Don't put any more weight on the one great review than you would on the one horrible review. Just yeah. writing. And sounds like that's what I'm hearing with you. It's just yeah. writing. Yeah. You just write every day what you want to write, not what you think other people want to read. I think that that would be the key. And I think that that's based on over reading or over analyzing those reviews. Oh my God, they love when they kiss in chapter two. So let me write every book so that they kiss in chapter. You know, those are not, that's not good. You know, you, you got to write what you want to write and what you think is good. And if you're passionate about it, I think that comes through. But yes, that piece of wisdom, that's exactly, that's spot on. In these 16 books that you've written, after you'd written each one of them, how did you learn to navigate the editorial process? So I'm not a perfectionist, and I will tell you, and, and in my girls' right night, the ladies that are like my, they're my rocks. Uh, some of them are more perfectionist, and they do not turn in books until they feel are perfect. And I think that that's wonderful. I, I commend them. I'm not a perfectionist. Just in life, in general, I write the first draft. I, I don't turn in crappy work. I don't think <laughs> I turn in, you know, whatever. I think it's good. I know it's not the best, but it's also the first draft. So I'm not a perfectionist. I let the people that know what they're doing do their work. Right. I feel that if the story's there, the developmental part is there, the meat, you know, is there or the actually the bones is there. We can work on the meat later. So I always have like a word count goal for me. If I can get to like that 60 to 70,000 word range. Because remember, I'm not a potter. So it's almost like a very good outline that I'm like, okay, this makes sense. The arc is there. My tone is there. I feel comfortable giving it to my editor. And I know the other authors are like, I can't believe you gave that to me. I feel comfortable with that because I think that I know I'm never going to give them the perfect book anyways. There's always going to be changes. So I'd rather give them that and then let them do their thing because they, they know what they're doing, you know, and then they can come back. And I'm very open to critique. I think that's super important. If you're close to the critique, I think you would have a problem in this industry because yeah, they won't critique you. 
And they come back and they see something that I may not see because you're so into your own manuscript. You don't see the bigger picture when they come back and they tell me, hey, maybe focus on this, which I didn't see when I was elbow deep in that story. Then I can write it so easily. I can finish it. I can make it like my own. But that's just a learning curve. Of course, the first couple of books, I wanted them to be perfect. And then it was hard to meet deadlines because I would like this word versus this word. And I would take off the forest and I'm like I, I don't do that anymore I, I really don't and maybe I should but I, I don't do that anymore it's all working out so far Jeanette for giving us some time to talk about the apology project and it's out now thank you so much for your time it was a lovely interview I really enjoyed it oh well, I enjoyed talking to you as well you have a great day to learn more visit JeanetteEscadero.com Music by Pavel Yudin and photography by Casey Meineke. Sound editing by Podcast Engineers. If you like what you're hearing, hit the subscribe button and consider leaving a review.